Welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Joe Trano. On this episode, I'm joined by Chris Richardson. Chris is the Deputy Chief Information Officer of Development, Mobility, and Smart Cities at Arizona State University, organized as part of ASU's University Technology Office. Chris and his team are responsible for aligning with key stakeholders to lead strategy, upgrade cycle, new functionality enhancements, and maintenance of a number of enterprise applications across a diverse landscape of ASU. Some key applications to note include MyASU, eAdvisor, UAchieve, Salesforce, and PeopleSoft. In addition to development and business analysis of these and other applications, Chris's team is advancing the landscape and vision of mobile applications and standards, web standards, and a user experience center of excellence. In this podcast, we'll discuss the impact of COVID, key operational strategies, and what actions were taken in preparation for the fall term. We'll also discuss Chris's thoughts and key considerations looking ahead for leaders and lessons learned managing IT organizations through these turbulent times. So welcome, Chris. It's great to have you on the podcast. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, I appreciate uh, your time today. And certainly um, the topic uh, we're going to discuss today is, is certainly front and center for a lot of people. As, as we know, COVID-19 pandemic has impacted um, higher education quite significantly. And um, in my conversations with uh, IT leaders across higher education, um, each, uh, each leader is, and each organization's had to deal with it in different ways. And ASU being uh, number one in innovation, it would, it's gonna be interesting to hear uh, your thoughts um, and how you and your organization has uh, you know, addressed this uh, situation early in the year. So, um, maybe we can start with uh, maybe just providing some background on uh, the impact it had in early uh, early March of this year and how you responded to uh, the COVID pandemic. Um, uh, you know, maybe we start there. Sure. Yeah. What, what, a, what a difference a year makes. Who would have saw this uh, last year? Um, yeah. So it's interesting. One of the things that ASU um, experienced early, I think at the end of January, we actually had one of the states, if not the state's first COVID cases, one of our students. Uh, we had a student coming back from Wuhan and because they knew what was happening there in China, uh, they self-identified uh, themselves, uh, um, effectively um, kind of took themselves out of our, our learning population and for good measure. And then we knew what to do with that. And we checked and did exposure management and made sure there were no other uh, issues. And it was completely contained to that one individual. There's a lot of pressure from the press, what was going on. And so having that foresight and then seeing what's starting to happen in Seattle and other areas of, and then back in the back East, I think we knew that something um, was going to happen in extreme ways, given, given how the outbreak was happening. So, you know, in February, um, our uh, CIO was, was brought into the executive council and we really started focusing, all right, what do we do? What are our contingency plans? Um, by the end of February, as, as president, Dr. Crow said, we know what play we've called. We just don't know if we're going to call it to execute the play. And so um, that play was basically convert everything into an online mode modality. We've since now branded it ASU sync mode. It's kind of our hybrid model. And, um, and, and it's not just having it delivered through a, uh, through, through a uh, communication platform. We, we, we 
We're fortunate enough to have enterprise licenses with Zoom, enterprise licenses with Slack well before this. Uh, it was really a fully integrated experience. Um, our ASU, our, our MyASU portal, uh, one push button, whether you're a faculty member or the student, you push the button, you get the exact class for in the exact way, the exact security requirements as, as, as needed. Um, and, and it just made, we try to really focus on the student experience and make it as simple as possible. Um, we also focus significantly on ramping up all sorts of uh, protections, you know, hotspots and PCs and laptops and and then all sorts of uh, protective measures. So it was really focused on moving in that environment. And then it was, it was ironic, uh, right around the time we were making that decision, we realized, wait a second, we have to really figure out what we're gonna do for our workforce too. And so, um, you know, then, then we really started thinking through um, who is essential, essential on site, who's essential in terms of operational um, potentialities, and then how do we communicate through all this uh, chaos and turmoil and really make sure everyone uh, is comfortable with this new mode of working um, and supporting all the new ways of, of learning. So um, we really refocused our um, communication plans, did a lot more town halls, did a lot of uh, digital engagement. And it's amazing. I mean, a lot more fun stuff on Slack and, and it's been great to see um, both the students take to the learning in this mode, um, the employees take to collaboration in this mode, uh, and, and you know, just been great to see the momentum. I know it's hard when you're on Zoom sessions all day, it's, it's, you need that break <laughs> in the action. But if you in indicated by our summer schedule, we, we set records for the number of students we had during the summer. Um, our employee morale was, 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 was high. Uh, so on, on those measures, uh, we seem to be doing great. Did, uh, did you find that you had the majority of the tools already in place and it was just a matter of scaling them to a larger number of employees or, or students? Well, with, with Zoom and, and Slack, yes, we luckily, we were fortunate. I, I've heard some horror stories about those that were caught without an enterprise license or with something that was throttled in terms of its capacity. And for those who don't know, ASU in the spring had 70,000 campus emergent students that we needed to uh, migrate into this ASU sync mode. And, you know, I think we've done 1.1 million classes via Zoom that would have been done in person since, uh, just to give you some, some, some level of complexity. Um, well, we had those agreements in place. We just needed to ramp up the preparation, you, we still had tons of faculty that hadn't used them before, tons of students that hadn't used them before. Luckily, they're pretty good uh, experience, customer experience, but still, we needed to do it in the ASU way and, and rent those folks up. So that was where a lot of the planning and preparation came in handy. Yeah, that's great. I, um, I'm, I, you know, I think about some of the enterprise applications. Um, most enterprise applications have some type of uh, remote learning or virtual uh, learning um, aspect to, to it. Um, did, did you find that um, the enterprise application piece for students was an easy lift um, to, to move more to a, I won't say 100% virtual, but close to it um, in the spring and also in the summer? Well, I mean, with these tools, um, no offense to my, to my mom, but like within two weeks of being in the COVID environment, she was having happy hours with her friends in their 70s. I mean, so I do think we, we were on the tools that made it easier. We had, we had migrated to Canvas. Uh, so again, a good user experience. 
Um, our, our, our portal, my, my issue portal was already um, been upgraded into a nice more responsive uh, in, environment. And then Zoom and Slack, I mean, these things are built for productivity and built with amazing design work. So um, I don't know. I, I, I think that helps tremendously. If this were the, the types of user experience from 10 years past, I, I think it would have been horribly different, you know, without the ability to throttle with the cloud, uh, without the ability, you know, if you needed your infrastructure teams to be doing all this management, it would have been a different scenario. And I think students nowadays are just accustomed to doing things on their mobile devices or doing things online and not necessarily having to be in person for everything. And so I think that makes it a, an easier transition, certainly. Yeah. Um, so uh, that that certainly paints a, a picture of what ha what what happened in spring. And um, did anything change for summer? And we'll we'll talk a little bit about fall as well. But uh, you know, was the majority of summer classes online as well? Well, so we 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 made a call early that all of summer would be either our online population or via ASU sync mode. So really what this what the summer became was prepping for the fall um, and and we we decided uh, in the issue way uh, we were just ranked number one in innovation by US News and report for the sixth straight year ever since the inception of the uh, the award and we just figured you know what we're going to innovate in our way through this so um, one of the first most amazing things nothing to do with IT uh, our biodesign Institute literally developed their own COVID testing strategy uh, that was saliva based they guaranteed 24 hour turnaround. Uh, most of the turnaround now are actually, they've, they've refined it so well uh, to like six hours and they've ramped that up. Um, that was all ready so that when students started to come early August that uh, every student that moved into the dorm um, was tested. Uh, every employee that was deemed needing to work on site was tested. Anyone, including their families, in case they were living with home, could get tested. Uh, we even started doing some outreach to the broader community that they could get tested. Um, just because we know how important uh, having a solid community, we call that our community care approach. And so many things were embedded into that. Um, so, you know, we had to start thinking about the data. Who, who, where, where do we sense store that HIPAA sensitive data about the testing results? How do we get that to the, we had to stand up an exposure management environment so that they could track that. We did that on salesforceswork.com. Um, to make sure that, that those teams have the right information in the right way uh, so that there weren't any limits to, to, to our users' um, uh, privacy protections. Uh, we actually built our own ASU, in our own ASU mobile app that had been in place for over two years, we actually built our own custom um, health daily health check. Uh, we partnered with a company that came out of our Mayo Clinic um, uh, MedTech Accelerator. It's a company called Safe Health. Uh, they built a CDC guideline-based um, parameters and we embedded that into uh, the mobile app. We built some custom uh, features for how to uh, map out your schedule. So there was a lot of flexibility, all designed to be both central to the user to know, um, you know, keep health at the front of the mind, know that, the, that their contribution to the community of care was critical. And if for some reason their own symptoms changed, uh, they would know what telehealth options were available. They would be able to easily get um, testing uh, um, options to them and make it all seamless on the go through our Asian mobile app, as well as a website for those that aren't comfortable with an app. Uh, we made a seamless experience. So there was a lot going on uh, in terms of prepping for the fall. Uh, all the reporting necessary to make the better best decisions. Um, you know, again, in all of this, 
super important to the president. Uh, CIO stayed on the exec committee twice a day meetings for like literally for, for, for a long time. Uh, great thing, uh, knock on wood. Uh, we've actually seen our cases peak and uh, they peaked about two weeks ago, I wanna say. And so as, as others are aware that, that, um, that things went exponential, we got to a point we limited and um, you know, we are currently on a plan to uh, operate in this way up through early December of which there won't be a break. And then, um, and then uh, it'll be an early release with, with tests and then um, we'll start the same mode that we've been in since the fall in the spring. So has a call been made for spring? Is, is spring going to be? Uh, spring, spring will operate the same way we did fall as mm -hmm. long as everything wraps up the way we currently see it. So uh, we'll test all those that come to move on to the dorm again. We'll test all the employees again. But we didn't want to have a multiple break where they go back for Thanksgiving mm -hmm. uh, and then come back. And so we kind of remove that break, let them have a longer break. Um, and and, uh, and and then we'll, we'll ramp up again uh, in, the, in the spring. That's the, that's the current plan. Great. Um, what, what do you think are some of the key considerations going forward? So you talked a little bit about spring. Um, beyond spring or, or, or even as you look at spring, are there some things that you're not currently doing that you're considering? Or are there other areas of the operations that will look different? I think we just keep um, trying things and keep learning and realize that this, you know, there's no definitive end in sight. And so uh, we keep refining our testing processes. We keep refining our exposure management processes. We keep refining the health check. We keep providing new information. Um, and and um, what I didn't mention is in the fall, we really augmented the ASU sync mode. We actually put television displays in each of the classes um, that were um, that, that, that were ASU sync compatible. And that way, if a professor had some sort of health condition, they didn't have to go in, but the students that chose to go in could actually uh, be there and then, you know, collaborate uh, in, in, with themselves, you know, in a socially distanced uh, method afterwards. For those that you know, unfortunately got sick, they could still actually, uh, well, well, um, you know, um, well, well, um, separated into their own, you know, facility that's completely protected from others, uh, they could still get their, their, their education. And so we really thought through how to deliver and maintain this. And there was a ton of training for the faculty, how to use the, the, those machines and how to tra transfer between all of the, uh, you know, you can imagine when eight different um, professors are using the same, same environment, there's some transition there. Um, I will say that uh, we, we, we keep being um, focused on what our technology stack looks like. Again, um, we were about 90% in the cloud already. Um, and you know, that's only helped us be able to be more flexible, more scalable. Uh, we've, been, we've invested in building some of our own tools where we own uh, the code, where it's not dependent on someone else. And that's helped us be tremendously flexible. So, we feel we're in a good position to um, continue to uh, assess what we're, we're seeing. And oh, by the way, um, you know, one of the things that was very scary about the fall is we really didn't know 
um, how many of the deposits were going to turn into people actually coming on campus and then how many people would actually stay engaged with us and um, our enrollments uh, the last I had heard were seven percent up year over year which is absolutely phenomenal especially given uh, the international um, issues and and um, and a lot of the press that's that's been there about COVID and what schools and, and whatnot so uh, we've been very pleased uh, to see how um, the markets responded to ASU's measures and and hopefully um, the experience has been a great one for students. They feel like they, they get the best options they can given uh, what they're experiencing and um, they feel safe and they want to um, recommend it to their friends that may be graduating from high school or, or um, looking for better, better solutions. Yeah, I, I'm just curious. Uh, you know, I, I live in Tempe and I've been on campus a few times and there's always, uh, you know, uh, you know, a buzz of excitement. Uh, just the energy on campus is just, just, you know, fantastic. And I, I can see what the draw is to students. Obviously, uh, the education is number one, but uh, the, the energy on campus, the campus uh, is just, you know, just fantastic. Um, uh, what what it's been, what has it been like, you know, this, uh, this year on campus? Uh, have you, have you got a sense of, you know, things a lot different or can you maybe describe how things are you know, looking on campus? Well, for, for anyone that hasn't been in Tempe uh, in, in mid-August, um, <laughs> it's chaotic. Not only is it hot, uh, but it is just a buzz of action. And, and unfortunately, you know, even with all these measures, it was different. Um, Clearly, everyone, it's, it's required to have masks, um, but, but just the number of people that are out and about is, is significantly lower. Uh, you know, I was talking, uh, I, I collaborate with the, the CIO of the city of Tempe, and just the, the traffic is so much less reduced because of all the options of what you can do and the choice and then being able to do your work from home and whatnot. Less employees are there, less, less students are there, um, but they're still learning and they're still, they're not given, you know, they're still taking advantage of the best we can provide them. And, uh, and so that feels good, but, but still, I mean, there's, there's people collaborating. I was just on at the library the other day, you know, there's people in the rooms. Um, it's just not packed and a buzz like it normally is. I, I do feel for a lot of the surrounding restaurants and whatnot that mm -hmm. depend on this. Um, but again, they're, they're, they're open um, and, and doing all right as best, best they can. And so I'm sure they're glad that um, students are back there too. Uh, I know that causes some consternation. You know, you, you, you see that uh, a lot of the press will show, you know, a bar or two that's packed and, you know, students are, are going to learn what works for them too, and given what their, their risk tolerance is. And, and we've seen that. I mean, um, you know, our, our numbers are peaked and let's hope that uh, they continue to make smart decisions and we all do. Yeah, I, um, I'm curious what, what your thoughts are on any lessons learned uh, through, through this. Can you share maybe top three lessons learned? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the cloud has clearly been an enabler of uh, scale, uh, flexibility, and when you natively build in it, you can be much more adaptive to um, whatever comes at you. Um, I think that's one. Uh, I think the, 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 the really um, collab collaborative when you know there's a major problem to solve and, and break through barriers and, and, and operate in a nimble way, um, you can do anything. And I know, you know, 
I'm, I'm collaborating with people that I wouldn't often collaborate with. I'm literally working with our research faculty that consult to Fauci and the state of Arizona. And they're like, I mean, we, we just have amazing talent in here, literally these people that built this testing. And then they're kind of looking at, well, how do we keep at the random sampling rate to then demonstrate that we are not getting out of control because we have high numbers, but it's very few in comparison to the 70 plus thousand students uh, and, the, and the 15 plus thousand uh, employees. And, and, and we're doing everything to give the president information to communicate to the press and, and whatnot. And, and so just being able to kind of collaborate uh, in this way to get a, a, a clear vision and, and, and execute for what's best for uh, the students and our community in the HU, it's been great. Um, and I think that that also goes into our, our university technology office made some uh, organizational uh, changes in this time, which is amazing. A lot of people said, well, why would you do that? Well, we said, well, hey, who knows what real is gonna be anymore? Why not change? These are already in line. Um, they're based on our positive core, uh, which was culturally driven from the ground up about our core, core mantras. Um, we, we it, based on agile um, leadership principles that were already in place before uh, COVID. And now it helps us flatten our organization um, identify ways to break down silos, do even more that's products and services focused. And I think all of those things give us a tremendous um, ability to be adaptive to what's coming and to scale our solutions and, and phase them down when, when they're either done for the need that they had or if they're not working in the intended way. Um, what's, what's been the... Um... I guess the reaction of IT staff during this this period and some of the changes that you mentioned has has it been positive? Yeah, I think you know early on when you don't know if you're going to get COVID, when you don't know how long you're going to be out, you don't know how you know those with families, you're dealing with all sorts of stuff at home and and whatnot. That's very stressful, and so we really just tried to to meet as a team, um, you know, with big town halls, recognize what we were seeing, get a pulse of how tough it was on people, both mentally, um, some people without families that completely don't have the camaraderie that they used to. Uh, we, we had to be very adaptive, we, like, or very um, empathetic. I mean, I have small kids, some of our key leaders have small kids, and if you don't have help at home, or you can't have the help that you normally have because of your own beliefs on what the, the virus could do, it was extremely uh, challenging. And so, you know, I think just really understanding individuals, um, uh, what they're going through, but keeping information aware, and there was a lot of press, uh, especially in Arizona, about potential furloughs, and, and, and that doesn't help. Um, and you're seeing things in the news every day that everyone's getting sick and everyone's losing their job. And, you know, um, so we've been very fortunate. We've been able to keep our, our teams focused on what the job was at hand so that we knew the strategy, we knew the play that was called, we execute the play, where we can be adaptive given what we learn from what we put in motion. And it, again, a lot of it comes down to our culture, our drive and, and the quality of team that we have. So I think, you know, I think that's one of the biggest lessons learned. You just can't let that stuff not be talked about, mm. or your team isn't focused. They've got other problems, yeah. um, and so you know, then as you start seeing a little bit of light in the tunnel, 
we start hearing, you know, our enrollment uh, at, during the summer as best it's ever been. We start seeing that people are still putting the deposits. They're coming, um, you know, little, you know, school, whether it's public schools or, or colleges start opening and then there's been varied degrees of success. So people may have questioned whether we were doing the right thing. Um, but now there's a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, again, I think we just really communicated uh, consistently and built our plans and, and made those happen. So. Yeah, that's, uh, I appreciate that, Chris. And I, um, my, my final question is, uh, what advice uh, would you give other IT leaders that, uh, that are managing uh, through this? Well, it's a great question. I think, um, you know, it's hard to give specific advice now seven months in that you can use right now because if you're in crisis mode now um yeah i i empathize uh we were in crisis mode back in february and um but we took the reins and we went on offensive mode not defensive mode and so um and what that meant to us is we leveraged the strengths that we had we looked for ways to uh, mitigate the weaknesses or gaps and find data to help us better decide. And, um, and we just took it a very aggressive plan and we in, invested our time. Uh, we invested dollars uh, in, in, in doing what we could to make this place safe and delivering something that's best for students. And so if in a scenario when things wind down, um, you know, really focus on real disaster recovery plans and real contingency plans and not ones that are just exercises that people don't care about. Like, because the odds of these things happening are going to continue. Invest in, you know, if it's, if it's cloud centric versus not, I mean, there's just so many benefits to the cloud. And I know a lot of people are worried about security and worried about um, their know-how you just got to get started and it, it just provides so much more scalability and flexibility. Um, so I would just take it, take, take, you know, wherever you are in your own journey, um, wh wherever your university is and, and when you can get your head above water, you really need to make long-term plans that are, that, that help build uh, the, the scalability flexibility, because I, 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 I unfortunately think that um, tough, challenges are still going to face um, our industry, uh, whether it's, um, you know, uh, whether it's another pandemic or whether it's, you know, budget stuff. We do, we've seen all sorts. Our industry has had some, some very challenging things at it, uh, but I think the ones that are really getting ahead of it are going to help define the, the path, and we think we're going to come out of this uh, stronger. Yeah, that's great, Chris. I really like that, that concept of being really a, 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 I would say addressing this situation in a more offensive approach um, or, or uh, as opposed to defense. Um, you need to be smart about it and realistic about what you can be on offensive and, and you need to have contingency plans if they don't go exactly the way you, you want them. Uh, and you also need to know that if you do something that's kind of counter to the norm, you have to stand by it. You can't let it crumble. And I really give our leadership amazing uh, kudos in how they handled the press here. The press jumped all over uh, ASU when the numbers and we used data and we said what the plan was and we, we held it <laughs> and things 
went relatively according to plan and and and, and the noise is not dying down we'll be able to kind of keep keep moving forward so yeah, I remember seeing something a few weeks back uh, made the headlines about uh, the number of cases. But uh, as you said, I think it it peaked a couple weeks ago, and and certainly um, when you look at the, the the large number of students and and uh, faculty and and staff that you have, it's such a small percentage. Um, you guys are doing some really great stuff, and and certainly um, the innovation that you're you're applying to this um, is is apparent and. Um, it's um, it, it's really it's wonderful to hear this. Uh, I, I don't know. Obviously, um, you know, uh, ASU is in the news a lot, and recently, as you mentioned, uh, number one again, ranked I think sixth year in a row, and and um, you know that that makes uh, makes the the headlines, and, and certainly it's uh, it's good to get some insight uh, from from uh, someone in the trenches, and so. I really appreciate your time today. We're, um, you know, we're, we're out of time. And um, I wanna thank you for sharing your insight and hopefully um, other leaders in, in higher ed can, um, can get some takeaways from what you've shared and some of the lessons learned, I think that ASU has, uh, has had. So thank you again very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Joe. So this concludes our podcast. Check back uh, next month for another great topic and great guest. And until then, stay well.